what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Over here is Chris. Hello, everyone. My hand is waving to the other side of the table <laughs> where he is. And Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing really well. Getting Good. excited. Locally, we're about to put on the uh, Foot Candle Film Festival, so getting oh. excited prepping for that. But I have been able to squeeze in movies for this podcast. So. I have not. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and tell you right now. My, uh, my, my input on the reviews will be a little lean this week. Uh, just because, yes, we have had a lot of film festival planning going on. We'll talk about the film festival here a little bit more in depth later on in the show. Uh, but rest assured, it's coming and it's going to be awesome. So that's all I'm going to say about it right now. That should tease you enough until later in the show. We'll give you more details. However, let's talk about the matter at hand, which is reviews and news and recommendations. We are here on Foot Candle Films. It's our ongoing podcast here on the mesh.tv where we talk about movies and films. So today we've got actually, gosh, do we have four movies to review? We do. It's a lot. Wow. Suicide Squad, we're going to talk about collectively because we have both seen that film. We'll be talking about that. I know it's been out for a few weeks, but mm-hmm. anybody who's still contemplating whether or not to, uh, to check out the film, we're here for you. We're here as your resource, <laughs> your help, your help desk. That's right. Then we have three films that are going to be in different stages of where you can find them and see them. Uh, online, you can see a film called Morris from America that Chris is going to review from us. Uh, Wiener is the documentary. I know I've mentioned before on the show, but we had another screening of the, the Anthony Wiener documentary. And I want to kind of recap that review and bring it back up again because there's been some interesting news about the film even just this past week. And then we'll kick it back over to Chris for a review of the animated film Kubo and the Two Strings. Then we'll have a little bit of news kind of mixed in with the reviews, but we'll end the show with our traditional recommendations that we want to give uh, of films we think you ought to check out if you have not done so before. Chris, we got a lot to do. You ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay, let's jump into our first collective review, which is the film, the DC Comics adaptation, Suicide Squad. I want to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet. They're bad guys. Worst of the worst. Seriously, what the hell's wrong with you people? We're bad guys. It's what we do. Nothing really matters to me. Chris, on this show, we have reviewed, and help me make sure I'm thinking correctly about this, the DC universe as far as movies go, post-Nolan, and I think we need to clarify that, Hmm. that kind of DC has tried to restart their whole universe after the Nolan Batman trilogy. Right. So it started with man of steel. Mm -hmm. Then we had Batman versus Superman Dawn of justice, (laughs) Batman versus Superman colon Dawn of justice, just to make sure I'm clear on the title. (laughs) Now we have suicide squad. So it's the third film, I guess you could say of this new DC universe, right? Where, Ben Affleck is Batman. 
Uh, Superman is depressing. <laughs> Sorry, he is. And now we've got a bunch of bad guys, and there's a new Joker in the mix, and it's just it's building up this universe. So Suicide Squad, the film is the, the, the concept, and it's a concept that's been used in films many, many times in the past, but the idea of take the bad guys. It's like the Dirty Dozen. Concept. Like the Dirty Dozen. A little bit of Escape from New York. Got a little bit of that feel to it, too. Take the bad guys, give them a mission. You know it's pretty much a suicide mission, meaning that they're going to die, more than likely. Or if they step out of line, they're going to get killed. Right. So they're being made by the government to be good guys and to go and fight off some unknown evil, go on a high-risk mission. And all along, you also have a subplot of a new Joker in the mix, for us anyway. According to this universe, it's a Joker that's been around for a while. Sure. Seems like. And his relationship with Harley Quinn, who is one of the characters of this now-named Suicide Squad. We've got uh, Margot Robbie as the aforementioned Harley Quinn, the associate of the Joker. There's a little bit of a relationship between the two. You've got Will Smith as Deadshot. I think I have that right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you've got a few other people. Viola Davis is Amanda Waller, who is basically the government official who pulls together this team, has this bright idea, and uh, takes charge of it. And uh, a few other people, a couple other names to kind of mix in. It's a large group of people on the Suicide Squad. I think there's like seven or eight people all total. Okay. Jared Leto is the new Joker. So, Chris, my question to you. I know how I feel about this film. I think I know how you feel about this film. Is this doing anything to elevate the DC movies that have started with Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman? Is this moving it in an upward trajectory? Or do you feel a little more concern about where this film franchise is now going based on this film? Yeah, you, you probably know where I fall on this film. I, 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 uh, it, I'm sad yeah. <laughs> because I am more of a DC Comics fan than a Marvel fan. And in general... You liked Man of Steel much better than I did. I did. Because uh, um, I hated it. <laughs> but I don't... And see, that's the thing is, I don't really like Superman. Um, yeah. He's not my favorite. Batman is my favorite comic yes. book character, as well as the villains associated with Batman. Okay, so that's interesting. That's yeah. important. So, you know... I've liked some of the Marvel movies okay, but I've always liked the Nolan franchise and as well as the old Burton movies, Tim Burton movies. Those those are like the things that I go to. So with this movie, I you know my expectations were pretty high. Um, the concept just seemed really awesome. I've no, I had never read the comic book, but I heard like the setup you either. described, mm-hmm. and it sounded amazing. Now. Hearing the concept, these villains are bad, and you know they're bad, and they kind of have their own twisted problems. I was a little worried that it was PG-13, mm-hmm. um, because it'd be like putting out a PG-13 Deadpool movie, um, right. <laughs> to me. It just doesn't seem like, you know, and I understand, it's about making money, and I, I get that. Um, but if anything, we had talked on a news item in past episodes about how reshoots were ru- are rumored for suicide squad. Yes. And I think I can see where something happened and you know especially after Batman versus Superman you talked about how we talked about in the past episode that movie came out people said it was dark. Uh, Superman dark, was depressing. depressing. Yes, right. And mm-hmm. you hear the setup of this movie this is going to be a dark movie. It's not happy and I think I ca- I think I can see where things were tinkered with and messed with to the movie's detriment and it's too bad because I think it could have been a really, it would have been totally all for adults. It would have been rated R. It would have been dark, 
but I think it still it could have been really good. And instead, what I think happened is, and you know, who knows? I can't tell who I think. I mean, I can tell who I think it's at fault. I think it's like the studio, the script. And I guess some of the director, although David Ayer, I like, like I saw Fury. I thought that was really good. Um, I, so that's where I put the fault. The characters, not the characters, sorry, the actors, I think they did a great job. I thought mm-hmm. Jared Leto, and I've, you know, I've liked Jack Nicholson's Joker. Mm-hmm. I liked Heath Ledger's. I thought Jared Leto's Joker was fine. I, I thought he was good. It was definitely interesting. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I, I was curious how they were going to make him different than the versions we'd seen before. And I think they did a good it's, job with it's it. It's got to be a tough thing to play the Joker. Because Especially after having two iconic performances right. playing in the past. Right. And yeah. it's just like, it's it's got to be tough. Yeah. And I thought Jared Leto did a good job. He was he was different, but he didn't feel like he had to totally make him somebody else. Like he somehow kept threads yeah. so he was recognizable. But I don't know. I, I really liked it. I thought Harley Quinn is probably a standout. I thought she was really... yeah. She was really good, I too. I will say, I liked Will Smith. I thought I Will too. Smith as, de- as Deadshot was really good. I mean, it was nice to see him kind of play a jerk, a bad guy to some degree. But, of course, he's the jerk with the heart of stone, which, you know. But he still, he plays it well. I mean, he, and, I, and he and, he and uh, 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 Margot have a great chemistry yes. in Harley Quinn. I like their dialogue. I like their banter between each other. See, I, th- I know, think I Will Smith, really well. yeah, I think he's another good joke. Well, don't worry. We say I wasn't that big on it. We're like, these guys are just glowing. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll, we'll get We're to the next. We're playing it up. Cause <laughs> I, I will say I came out of this movie – I went in expecting the worst because okay. I read the reviews and I already had a bad taste in my mouth from the previous two DC films. Sure. I really expected to come in and hating this movie. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was a real missed opportunity. Agreed. And Agreed. Although I was fine. I wish I hadn't paid 10 bucks to see it. Maybe I've been okay paying five bucks to see it. But it was fine. My kids loved it. Um, my, my kids loved it as so, well. So, you know, I just felt like you have a great premise you have what could be a really fun, interesting movie. You've got some great per- characters, great performers. Right. It's just, it just didn't work. So, right. I mean, know. like, and I think I'm saying the movie is not great. However, it's not the worst movie of the summer, which I think no. a lot of people are dogging it. If you want to see a really bad superhero movie, see X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> okay. I still have not seen that. And don't bother. It's really, really bad. And yeah. it's like, there's some, you know, Michael Fassbender's in that. And uh, what's, what's his name? Jay um, McAvoy. Yeah, Jay McAvoy's in it. And Oscar Isaac's in it. So they've got the talent. It's just they don't give them a lot to do. The script's terrible. You know, so, so getting back to this movie... The acting, I feel like they tried to do as good as they could, you know, the best that they could with the material. Will Smith, perfect casting for me because if you're going to have somebody who's playing a badass but is going to have, you know, a heart of gold or whatever, Mm -hmm. Will Smith's perfect because everybody likes Will Smith. If he was just like really mean the whole time, you kind of wouldn't buy it just because you can't get out of your head all the other characters he's ever been in any other movie, even though he's a good actor. But like he was perfect for that. I just, yeah, I really responded to him, thought he was perfect. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say two. I guess. Okay. I, I was going to say, I was say gonna get to the, the positives. Sure, to sure. finish up the positives. And I think I told you this too when I passed you in the hallway the other day. There is a really good movie inside of this movie. I, I, I really yeah, honestly somewhere. believe that. I think the premise is great. I think the characters are great, like I said. So the, all the right elements were there. It's almost like you've, you've dumped all the right elements into a pot that you're making a big stew for. <laughs> Every element on its own sounds great. Mm-hmm. Somehow the stew just didn't cook long enough or something happened. And I do think studio interference had a lot to do with it. Um, I'll comment on that in a little bit, but I do think 
studio interference, the reshoots. I kind of have a notion of where some of the reshoots happen okay. as well. And I think it made the film a more of a mess than it probably warranted to be. Okay. We'll get, yeah, let, let me touch on some of the things outside of reshoot territory yeah. that didn't Talk work. about some of the things that didn't work for Right. Me. Okay. You know it's the Suicide Squad, which implies more than two people. Yes. Okay, fine. You've got, you know, Harley Quinn. You've got Deadshot. You've got Pyro. Is that the name of the flamethrowing guy? I don't, uh, El Diablo. El Diablo. That's right. Pyro's yes. Marvel, yes, I think, yes. maybe. Yeah, so, okay. Crossing some lines there. Ah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've, you've got those three. Croc, okay, Croc, it's like yeah. special effects all over his face. Well, you know, whatever. Um, however, there are some characters in this movie that were part of the squad that were just ridiculous. No well, reason for them to be in there. Uh, is his name characters. is his name Slipknot? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mean, don't know. Like, he's um, not in any of the tra- like. He's barely in any of the trailers. They don't call him out. He's like barely on the movie poster, and then he shows up, and you're like, wait a second, what? Which yeah. I won't spoil anything, but no he's surprise. Not in the film long. No surprise why he's not in there very long. But still, it's just like so stupid. But magnify that times a thousand. I've never heard of Captain Boomerang, and I hope I never hear of him again. <laughs> he was so irritating. I'm like, yeah. he's who, kind of the, who cares? He's kind of the bona fide jerk of the group and just the one who doesn't really seem to change much during the course of the film at all. I mean, um, I, so well, be it. Don't change it. Just like, it's just a dumb, irritating character. They're like building him up to be somebody important. It's like... Okay, I've never heard of you, and you're not doing that great a job, so just like get out of the film. I'm, I would be perfectly happy if the Suicide Squad had been four people. Okay. To me, four people is a squad. I'm okay with a four-person squad. Have Harley Quinn, yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. Put Killer Croc in there because, sure. A, he's not going to take up a lot of dialogue. No. But you got to have a heavy. you got to yeah, have yeah. a big, interesting-looking sure. character in there. And then... I like Del Diablo. Yeah. He'd be all right. Well, you, you got to have for this storyline. You have to have Flag and you have to have Enchantress because that's well, kinda... you don't have to have Enchantress though. See, that's the thing that bugged me is that okay. So, and then we're not really spoiling anything. She's she's the bad guy in the movie, right? Overall, I mean, you see that if you see the trailers nowadays. Anyway, and the movie's been out for a while. She starts out as a member of the Suicide Squad, but then she's actually the bad guy, right? And I just thought that got really unnecessarily complicated. They could have really handled her character differently and let it be where. She truly did become the villain, and that's why they compiled the Suicide Squad to go take her down. So they could have done that without just overcomplicating things. It definitely could have. Well, and they don't even let her. The movie you just described, and this kind of tries to be that, would have been halfway decent, but they wouldn't allow her to be the bad guy by herself. Right. For some reason, they just have a brother. Randomly decide to give her a brother. Maybe it's in the comic books, like, but you don't need it. Why bother? It was just more stuff was thrown into the movie. Pile it on. Both in characters and in terms of plot devices, too. I thought the plot was really sloppy, the writing of the plot, because at times I'm like, aren't they, don't they have a trigger that, you know, the government could just off these guys because they're like leaving. They're going off and going to go have a drink, whatever. And nobody <laughs> seems to care that all of right. a sudden their bad guys are just taken off. Right. And then another moment, then they remind them that they have these triggers to like kill them if they don't do what they're supposed to do. It just, I found myself questioning more what was going on and why. Right. And that's never a good sign in a movie. So yeah. I thought the plot was really sloppy. Too many characters, too many unnecessary characters. Um, well, and I'll, yeah, I can't just, you know, pile on the bad guys. I think she's a good guy. Katana. She's in this movie as well. Why is she? And she's like, she's helping flag or, 
Why is she in there, Chris? It's called universe building for right. the future films. And so, like, you know, Flag, was it Captain Flag, whatever his name yeah. is? Yeah. Right. Sure. Let's he, go with he, that. He's there to, like, command the Suicide Squad. And she's, like, his helper, I guess. And, like, doesn't need to be in there. Doesn't no. really. Now, Rick, granted. Rick Flag. Rick Flag. Okay. And doesn't, she doesn't, you know, Katana doesn't need she to doesn't be in do there. Anything. Granted, there again, from a. Kids' perspective, teenagers' perspective, that's who my daughter's going to be for Halloween. So she liked that character. Well, that's the thing. I'm, but, not, saying you know, the, I'm not saying the character was the problem. It's just uh, why bring this character into this situation and have her do nothing? Do absolutely You know, nothing. that's the thing is that if you're going to bring a character in, there's got to be a reason for the character to be there. Agreed. You know, Slipknot, like you said, he's Dumb. brought in there just to be the red shirt, Star Trek red shirt guy. <laughs> yes. Um, Katana's there because they want to introduce Katana and make a cool character that they can use in future movies or something. Who knows? So that's where things could just got overblown with this. Yeah. And it bothered me. Now, you know, outside of those things, I look back and say, you know, if the plot could have been tightened up and better written and you reduce the number of characters, I think in general, I'd be okay with the film. I'd mm-hmm. actually would probably enjoy it. Okay. It's just that overblownness and just that scattershot plot just kind of is all over the place. Um, now, when it comes to the whole, Studio interference. Sure. Let's talk about that. Here's my thoughts. Okay. Because I've heard some stuff talking yeah, about you. Yeah. The word I heard that got out in the press was that they were trying to lighten it up more. Right. Maybe add some more humor. You know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was the case. That's my guess. I've seen something recently that okay. I kind of agree. Something that I responded to positively. And we haven't yeah. really touched on it. Yeah, I thought the plot of the movie was a mess. I liked yeah. some of the acting, but other than that, I just thought it was a mess. One of the things I did respond to positively was some of the story building they did between Harley Quinn and Joker. Now, yes, I thought it was interesting what they did because just like with any superhero story, there are like three or four different versions. There can be different origin stories. There can be different people playing the character. Like Robin's had different incarnations. You know, there are all these different things. So... This is a little inside baseball or inside comic books, but like Harley Quinn got her start on the animated kid show TV yes. series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was just kind of this flunky of jokers and he was like mean to her, but that's kind of where that went. Then it went to adult comic books and things got kind of dark. He was mm-hmm. very abusive to her, like really sadistically abusive to her. Yeah. Then comes this movie and the version we saw, you see hints of that, but I came away from the movie thinking, and I kind of liked it. Yeah, it is a messed up relationship, but they both generally care for each other. Yeah. Now, where I'd heard just recently that some of the reshooting was done, and apparently Jared Leto was really cranky in like interviews because lots of his stuff got cut out. And basically, it's like, yeah, he's shown abusing her and like throwing her up against a wall and doing all this like really sadistic stuff. Yeah. And that was all cut out. And I could say, well, you know, I'm not can, I think definitely that stuff could be cut out to make it PG-13, definitely make it lighter. Would the movie have been better if that had been left in? I don't know. Well, but see, it, my, my take know. on it is I, I felt like the scenes after we got introduced to Harley Quinn and we understand the relationship she had with the Joker, how the Joker was responsible for making her who she is. Right. He was a patient of hers and all that. Yeah. All the scenes after that that featured the Joker felt tacked on to mm. me. It's almost like, ooh, we need more Joker because Joker is going to be a big character and we really want to maximize that. We need more Joker. So let's get the Joker back in here. Let's come up with a subplot where the Joker's trying to get Harley. Trying to rescue her out. Yeah. Okay. And then all that stuff. Because there's like three or four scenes 
that I really feel like the movie just completely goes on a different track for a few minutes mm-hmm. while it's the Joker. Okay. And it takes us away from the whole Suicide Squad plot, takes us away from the whole goal that they're the trying to The whole mission, yeah. It just makes no it's sense. True. And I liked the intro scenes of the two characters, Joker and Holly Quinn. Didn't care as much when it got into the whole, oh, I'm going to try to rescue her. And we're going to, you know, it's just they kept like intersecting every mm. once in a while. Like it's, it's almost like two tracks are going. Occasionally they would intersect. Right. And then they divert again. And I really felt like that whole second track was tacked on, mm. is my feeling. Um, and I also think the ending was probably tacked on at the end, too, to give them an open door for yeah. the next movies. Because it open, it ends very much on a on a teaser for what could happen. Because sure. Joker and Holly Quinn become somehow connected again. So right. I, uh, I like the Joker scenes. I like... I like Jared Leto as the Joker. I just felt like the scenes felt very forced into this movie that didn't need to be there. I agree. It was also a little disappointing to me that as much as I liked what they did with the background and intro of the origin of Harley Quinn with the Joker, they didn't do that for anybody else. Mm. It's almost like she got this extra little bit of time to flesh out her character and make her interesting. We never saw that with Deadpool. Like, or not Deadpool, Dead, Deadshot. Deadshot. Never got an understanding of why he became a villain. Right. You know, um, nobody else got any kind of real backstory. Deadshot got a little bit of not backstory, but you get a little more understanding of where he is currently with right. his family and relationships. Right. So it's just a very uneven, like Harley Quinn got all this backstory and origin scenes and everything else. And a whole nother character related to her in the film. Dead Deadshot got a little bit of background and then everybody else got bumpkiss. Right. And, Part of the problem is you couldn't do that with eight characters. Right. If you had three or four, you probably could have pulled that off. So anyway, it all kind of goes back to that. But I got the feeling that they put this film together and said, we either need more Joker or we need more humor or we need some other things. Let's go back and reshoot. And the reshooting just started to pile on this movie and make it very Took what unruly. had some loose threads and like pulled those and made it worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's my feeling about it. So. I'd agree. Yeah. I will say I mentioned the director, David Ayer, and the movie Fury that I'd seen. And it's a good movie. It's a World War II movie. has Brad Pitt. Uh, one of my favorite moments from that movie, or probably the standout moment, is there's a scene around a dinner table. And... It's just the dialogue's really good and it's kind of tense, but it was just, it was very Tarantino esque, actually. Mm. Not that he was copying Tarantino, but yeah. it just reminded me of that kind of style, like really good dialogue, but tension and just, just shot really well. Really like that scene. In this movie, I feel like he was trying to go for the same thing. And I did like the scene, but like you say, it felt like why it happened, the bar scene. And they showed yeah. it in the trailers and mm-hmm. some of the stuff that's in the trailer, of course, doesn't end up in the movie. Some yeah. of the lines, but I liked how they tried to like to throw these people together and they were forced to kind of talk with one another, mm-hmm. you know, not as good as the thing seen in Fury, but it reminded me, I was like, that seems like that was a hallmark or something that David Ayer was trying and kind of got out of, you know, got out of whack, but it had the potential. So, yeah, no, I can see that. I, I, there, there were some scenes I liked. There were some moments I liked. And again, most of them are around the, the uh, Will Smith and um, Harley Quinn sure. characters. I think those two are my favorite and just seem to they have a good chemistry on screen together in general. They've acted together before, too. They did that film Focus a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Never saw it. but yeah, I didn't either. It's kinda, I, I like it when certain pairings kind of stay together in some different films. They develop a little more chemistry than maybe others could. The last thing I want to mention, Chris, is just and not to get all comic booky here, you know, because <laughs> no, why not? once we leave this this review, all the rest of our reviews are pretty diverse, and we get away from the 
the superhero type stuff. Sure. But I'm just really concerned about the way DC is building this universe. Well, I just don't understand, other than the Nolan stuff, what makes me sad. You know, I prefer DC. And for some, it's like, I didn't see, I don't follow baseball. What's the team that could never win? It was like the Boston Red Sox or whatever, and they had the curse. They mentioned it on yeah. the TV show Lost. But it was just like, you know, it was like they're never going to win the World Series, and then they eventually did. But it's like DC just can't make a – ever since the Nolan stuff, it's like DC just can't – they can't win. I just, it doesn't make any sense because the material's there. They've got the talent. And they just like they just can't make a go of it, and it just and I thought this was going to be it. This is going to be like yeah. okay, here here's going to be. A I just success. don't understand the sequencing of them rolling stuff out. It's like they're they're trying to get to a certain spot, and they're doing it so haphazardly. So for example, well Man next of, next is Justice League, right? Yeah. Okay. So Man of Steel, that's a perfect starting a universe movie. Okay. Because at that point, there's no superheroes that we know of. Superman comes down to Earth. Right. We learn about Superman. Everybody's questioning who he is, and he gets to prove himself a hero at the end. Okay. Right. That's the way you start. That was Iron Man on the Marvel Universe. And that okay. We got new character. We didn't know about any other superheroes. It's just we got to focus on one guy. So you're saying Man of Steel was good? No. <laughs> um, I'm saying that the, it's a the perfect idea starting the concept point. I got of it was a good start. Okay. okay. But then you jump immediately to him fighting another big superhero before that superhero is properly introduced mm. in this universe. And then you throw in a third big superhero with Wonder Woman as like almost like a throw-in add-in at the last minute to mm. the film with no real reason for it. And then you hint about all these other characters. Then, so we so never you're, get, saying, you're saying they should have given... Superman ben, needed another they, film and you needed a Batman movie. And you needed a Batman movie ben with Ben Affleck. Affleck. That okay. would have been perfect. Okay. Superman needed another movie to be a hero because at the end of the first movie, we were still all quite questionable about him. Right. And then to flip him immediately and have it to where people are supposed to be caring for him while he's fighting Batman doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then okay. instead of giving us another superhero movie, they go straight to the villains. Right. You know, with this third one. It's like what are they doing? It's just so chaotic right now. And then it's almost like, you know, there was a cameo of flash in this movie again, spoiler, which was just stupid. That it was, was like thrown so in for dumb. no reason. Yeah. It's no almost reason. like the guy, Ezra, is it Ezra Smith? Ezra. I don't remember the guy's name who plays flash, but it's almost like they got him like for five seconds and said, here, just stand in front of this green screen. We're going to put a costume on you and just say this one line. And that's it. Yeah. I, and it was just like last minute. We need another hero in here. Cause we're trying to build this universe up. And it was so gratuitous, and it just didn't make I any did sense. See, yeah, that, that that shows you. Normally, like that's the type of thing that would really bug me, like the Flash cameo for no reason. But this movie had so much else going wrong yeah. that I totally forgot about that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was that was egregious. I just in and general, dumb. I don't like the way they're building this out, and they've got such great characters and great history. And good, yeah, great with. characters, good actors, good actors. I good mean, Henry Cavill's. Good as yeah. Superman. Yeah. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I, think I really I like, do. I, yeah, I really like Henry Cavill. Margot Robbie as, as a Harley Quinn is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got all the actors. You've got the talent. You've got the characters and this rich history of these characters. Why can you not make a to thoroughly entertaining film and help build up this universe? Take your time. I just feel like they're rushing it. I feel like they're rushing it way too fast. So. Okay. I Have think you seen the Justice League preview? trailer yeah i don't know how i feel about it yeah. probably not too good it, i guess it looks like more of the same to me is the problem so and it's zach snyder's doing that one right yeah yeah i don't really have a lot of faith in him i tell you what here's what you know hear me dc 
All right. Because, you know, <laughs> I know they're of course, of course, you know, they are. And yeah, they, sure. they listen to us. Warner they, Brothers, just, all the big execs, I'm sure, listening. You right know, now. We're, you, you and I are sitting here saying, like, you know, DC, the, all this stuff's going wrong. You know what? Make a sequel Suicide Squad movie, but have Quentin Tarantino write and direct it. Done. That would be interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be R. Yeah, he totally is interested in making like revisionist type stuff and like, you know, and it's totally like you know focusing on bad guys but trying to make them good. Like, I think, Grant, I've you know given him rights to do stuff before on the show. Recommended him. Nobody's listened, but I think that could like because I think the thing is like you need a director who's not gonna listen to the DC people. It's like yeah. I'm gonna, and you have to have somebody who's really good and say I'm gonna make this movie. You're going to pay me a lot of money because you need me to turn things around, and I'm going to do it my way. Well, that sounds like a good idea, and I will, I will counter that with one more thing. <laughs> okay. I will say that despite everything about these three DC films that I have not cared for, I have seen the trailer for the new Wonder Woman film. Okay. And I do think that looks really, really good. And I, I think the fact that it's Patty Jenkins directing a, a female director. Female director, yeah. I think that it's a, got a World War One setting, which is It's doing awesome. Captain America doing for Captain the America. DC. And I think that's a perfect Captain thing America to the do. First Avenger was my favorite of all the Marvel movies. Okay. I just think it was great. And it, it got me excited for the rest of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Iron Man, not so much. Iron Man, I enjoyed it, but it was just kind of a fun movie. And it's like at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that was a fun movie. Captain America is like, oh, I totally see where they can go with this now. Yeah. Wonder Woman may be that film for DC where it's like, get a Which, fresh perspective. Who would on have it. thought? I know. The Wonder Woman film would be the one to like bring every, as opposed to Superman it or Batman. So who would, I, I, I agree. It really does. And so I maybe think, instead of Suicide Squad, maybe Wonder Woman's going to pay the thing that's going to Plus, turn I think it too around. that we need a good female superhero lead movie. And sure. I know Marvel's working on it. They got Brie Larson signed on to be Captain Marvel, the hmm. uh, Marvel character, which is great because she's a really good actress. But that's still a few years off. Uh, Wonder Woman could be that first pioneer superhero woman solo movie that really sets the world on fire. I just think it looks great. So I hope that's one I'm actually going to have my hopes up for. I haven't had my hopes up for these other three. (laughs) This one, I think I will. Okay. Okay. I think we've geeked out. There is hope. There is hope. Um, I think we've geeked out enough on Suicide Squad. So that is our review. Neither of us are very warm to it. But we're also saying we don't think it's as bad as maybe the critics out there are making it sound. It is not the worst possible superhero movie you could see. It is <laughs> maybe a decent popcorn time at the movie for a couple of bucks, second run. If you got some kids, mid uh, teenage kids, it probably get a kick out of it. Just know there's a lot of issues, a lot of problems. But good performances, good concept of a story. So that's Suicide Squad, probably still playing as we're recording this and releasing it right now. Let's move on to our second review, which, Chris, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Okay. I'm just going to set it up for you. It's a film I know you can rent online, and it stars someone that I'm interested in talking about, Mr. Craig Robinson. The film is Morris from America. Donnerstag, Donnerstag, Freitag, Samstag, Sonntag. Wait, you need to practice your German with people your own age. I don't need friends. I'm gangster. I don't like it. It's boring. I know you might be still mad at me by bringing us here. One day, you lighting the hip-hop world on fire, collecting all your Source Awards. You thank me. Source Awards? Mm-hmm. Is that as far as I get in your dream? All right, all right, you're Can right. Can I get a Grammy or something? Yeah, yeah. Let me get some claps, y'all. Yeah, yeah. 
So Chris, Mars from America, I'm intrigued because I have read about this film online and I know it's available on Amazon and iTunes and whatever those places. Um, I'm interested and I want you to tell me because Chris Robinson, this is the guy that uh, he was on The Office. Mm -hmm. He's mostly known for comedy. He's done the hot tub time machines. (laughs) He's done. Which um, I'm a big fan. No, I've never seen them. <laughs> he's done some other comedy movies. He did the. Uh, he was in the Kevin Smith film, the Zach and Miri make a porno. Oh yeah. Um, but here's what I'm curious about. So this movie looks to be a little more, a little more drama. Yeah. And I have been watching Mr. Robot, which you still have I not. I still have not seen. Chris, I know. Season mm-hmm. two, Mr. Robinson plays a character in Mr. Robot. After the film festival, maybe, okay. maybe I can I'm holding you to it. Okay. Craig Robinson plays a character in Mr. Robot, and I am impressed with Mr. Robinson on Mr. Robot in a dramatic role. Mm. So that's my question to you. Mars from America, if I were to watch this movie, can I expect another great performance like I've seen in Mr. Robot from Mr. Robinson, or... Is it just not there? And now, what else is going on with the film in general? Sure. More, you know, you're probably thinking, okay, Morris from America. I haven't really heard about this Yeah, It, it does star, uh, Craig Robinson, but other than that, it's kind of an unknown cast. Mm-hmm. And the story is pretty simple. It's a romantic coming of age story about this 13 year old boy, but being, he's living in Germany and he and his dad are kind of, they're kind of alone in Germany. He's kind of, you know, going he's there to school. because the dad is working. The dad has dad his job, job there okay. and he has to go to work. And so the son doesn't really have any friends. He's trying to learn German. And, you know, it's it's so story wise, not that unique. Um, you know, it's coming of age story. So but what is good about it? I mean, it, it's an OK film. It's not outstanding. Okay. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, hail, hail iTunes. You know, this is good because a movie like this would completely get lost you know, five or 10 years ago, you'd never hear about it. It's not going to make it to the movie theaters because it's not a wide audience movie. It's a very understated movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's good. It's well shot. The director, Chad Hardigan, it's second or third feature, but he's still kind of a more indie director. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, Craig Robinson gives a good performance. He does have some funny moments, but he also has a very good, you know, dad speech, but it's not heavy handed. Um, Mm -hmm, but it's, mm -hmm. it's just really well done. And the kid, um, who has a great name, Marquise Christmas. I mean, come on. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great name. And he's, he's good. You know, he's playing this kid who wants to be a rapper, but you know, nobody really takes him seriously. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, got self-confidence problems, but it, the movie is good and does a good job of not trying to be too cute Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it's not overstaying its welcome. And I, I, I liked it. You know, it comes in at just barely 90 minutes or so. Um, so I would recommend it. Um, it's just very understated. It's like of the filmmaking school of the older movies of Jeff Nichols or David Gordon Green. You know, it's very naturalistic filmmaking. Stuff doesn't feel very forced. Okay. Um, but I, I liked it. But yeah, Craig Robinson, definitely. He's capable of dramatic roles and he does a good job in well see film. what's really interesting to me is Craig Robinson as a comedian it's fine I mean he's not a, I'm not a big fan I didn't think he was he was not one of my favorite characters on The Office when I used to watch that and sure other movies he's he's okay but he's not he's not he doesn't make me laugh terribly hard like a lot of other comedians do however seeing him in Mr. Robot the USA TV show playing a very dramatic role hmm. oh my gosh he's so good <laughs> so now that's <laughs> Okay. Before, when I heard about Mars from America, I'm like, eh, eh, not really interested. 
now that I've seen him on this other TV show, I'm like, okay, yes, I may actually want to check this out now. So, okay. um, and you do promise you'll watch Mr. Robot after the film festival. Can I get you on recorded I tape get, of that? I got to find a way to get you to, if it was on Netflix, then I'd be done, but I don't think it is. So I, I got to find a way to have an outlet because me and my DVR. Just, right, I'll try remember. to, I'll try to help you out with that. Okay. Still, it's the best TV show. Okay. The okay. best. So, you know, I'll give a three star out of five, I guess, recommendation. Okay. It was, it was a good movie. All right, so. Good deal. Right, that's a quick, quick little review. We've got there of Mars from America. Let's flip over to another review that I will be taking the lead on. And that is the documentary Wiener. The punchline is true about me. I did the dumb thing, but I did a lot of other things too. Running for mayor was the straightest line to clean up the mess that I had made. This is Anthony Weiner calling. Yes, I'm not Anthony Weiner, the one running for mayor. Why do you think you deserve the second chance? I didn't want to answer. I'm giving you the answer. I thought you were thinking about it. I thought no, you were I'm trying talking to think. words. But at a certain point, you've got to say, "Look, I don't quit." This is the worst. Doing a documentary on my scandal. So the documentary about Mr. Weiner. Yes. Uh, you know, it's. We discussed it previously when you saw it at River Run, but it's an examination of this New York congressman, Anthony Weiner, and kind of his his first debacle of having problems with social media has already happened. <laughs> it already happened. And then this is about him trying to kind of circle the wagons and say, okay, it's his comeback, and he's going to run for – Is it mayor? New York. It's mayor. So this film kind of you know, documents that yeah. and what ends up happening at the end of that. Um, Alan, you know, unless you lived, you know, in a cave, everyone probably knows this story. Mm -hmm. So me knowing this story, would you still recommend, and what am I going to get from this documentary? Is it still oh, yes. worth me watching? Yes. yes and tell yes. me why. Yes. A hundred times. Yes. <laughs> okay. No, I just, and I'm probably a little more biased on this because I'm a little bit of a political junkie. I love reading political news and campaign news and. All that. So this is, to me, a fascinating documentary. I've now okay. seen it three times. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because we okay, saw Keep uh, in mind, ladies and gentlemen, mind. this is a gentleman that doesn't have a lot of spare time. <laughs> okay. So he's watched this movie three times. Well, I probably would have only watched it two, but we showed it two nights at our film society. True. I watched it the first night because I just wanted to see it again. It had been since April since I saw it at the film festival. Okay. And then my wife decided to come on the second night and uh, I kind of wanted to sit with okay. her and watch her as she watched it. So I did see it three times. Okay. Um, it's just a great documentary, but it's more fascinating to me, the question of how did this get made? Okay. Because, and it's actually interesting that we asked that question because just in the last 48 hours, Hmm. That question has actually come up on a broader scale. Um, this is a very, very unflattering look at Mr. Weiner. As you mentioned, he's running for mayor of New York. Things do not go well during that campaign. But it's nothing the documentary did. Like, There's nothing expected. Right. This documentary was meant to be a rise of the phoenix Right. This guy is rising. This back is a up second chance he for this was guy winning the race for mayor of New York up until another round of the scandal broke in the news. Okay. So by all accounts, I think they were documenting it, thinking that this guy's got a chance of being the mayor. Of this New is York. like a comeback what story. A great story. Somebody who was down so low and now is back as like one of the highest political positions in the nation. Didn't go that way. And when the next round of revelations about his texting, sexting habits broke, 
I mean, everything just spiraled back out of control again. But they kept rolling the cameras. I mean, that's the thing that just he let them keep rolling the cameras. And I still say one of the best moments of film I've seen in a few years is the guy behind the camera asking Anthony Weiner towards the end of the film as they're sitting there in an empty apartment watching the results of the of the latest polling to show how badly he's losing. And after this whole scandal's broke again and the documentarian asked him, why are you letting me film this? And Anthony Weiner has no response, just kind of shrug his shoulders. That tells you volumes about, I think this thing just got spiraled out of control. I don't know if the documentarian had an agreement with him that they were going to film this no matter what. I don't know if maybe Anthony Weiner just likes having a camera on him all the time and said, you know what? Yeah, this is going bad, but keep rolling. I'm okay with it. All that's interesting questions to me, but there's actually a more fascinating question that this is a little bit of news. I'm kind of pulling sure, into the review yeah, process here. So it just came out in the last few days. So Huma Abedin is Anthony Weiner's wife. Okay. And she's in the documentary. Oh, she's in it a lot. Okay. And she is Hillary Clinton's right hand person. Okay. Still is. She right now. still is as of today. Okay. Uh, Hillary Clinton, as you may be aware, Chris, I don't know if you know this or not. She's running for president this year. No way. Yep. Wait, wasn't she married to Bill Clinton who was a president of the U.S.? He was. He was a president, and now she's running for president. I, <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm just now breaking That's this That's fascinating. To you. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Huh. Um, I'm sure I'll probably hear more about that so in the my, coming months. Probably, yeah, maybe. Maybe over the next 60 days or so. Huh. My big question is, how did this film even get released? Because... Mm-hmm. It does not paint the Clintons as very flattering. Mm. There's actually some insinuations made that the Clintons were basically pushing Huma to either divorce Anthony or get dropped from her campaign. Wow. Which, if I'm running for political office, that's not really the message I want to have out there, (laughs) that I'm basically forcing a woman to to choose between her husband and her job. Right. So that's out there. Huma... We had a very, very mixed reaction in our audience at our film society to her. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that, and then you had told me off air about a question you asked at the yeah. completion. I wanted you to discuss like how the audience was. Well, the thing with Huma is some people were so very, very adamant that she was a downtrodden, a mentally, mentally abused wife oh. during the course of the film. Okay. Other people in the film didn't, uh, in the audience didn't see that. Um, they also, they felt that Huma was a very, very smart woman and knew how to portray herself on camera hmm. to where she didn't look aggressive or in any way taking control of the situation or whatever. Hmm. There's a lot of questions about her, her. Now that's where the news comes in now. So okay. not only just in the last couple of weeks did Anthony Weiner get busted for doing the whole sexting thing a third time. Wow. Third round. And this is after a documentary has come out about the guy. No the way. Oh yeah. Supposedly somebody from, um, maybe from Fox News, catfished him. Do you know the term catfishing on social media? Pretending you're somebody somebody else. To try to get somebody kind of roped along and maybe to do something embarrassing. Well, somebody posed as a young female texting Mr. Weiner to see how far they could go with that. Mr. Weiner got to the point of trying to meet up with this woman and wanting to have a drink with her and wanting to meet at his apartment. And that got released out to the news. So third round with this guy. But here's the real news. Just in the last few days, it's come out that Anthony Weiner's now gone to the press and said that the documentarian, the director, Mm -hmm. did not have permission to have Huma in the documentary, the final product. And supposedly he says he was told that Huma would not be in the finished film. 
Oh, she's in it. She's in probably about a quarter of it very easily. Are they now? Are they still married? Yep. Okay. Still together. The producers of the film are coming up and saying, no, everybody pretty much knew. I mean, the camera's we on. Well, I think Anthony's, were gonna edit Anthony's around inclination it? was to say that, yeah, she was on film, but she's not going to be edited into the final film. Gotcha. Is he doing that because he's trying to placate the Clinton campaign a little bit and make, you know, hmm. make a fighting argument that, hey, uh, I was trying to keep her out of this thing or whatever. Who knows? Hmm. Um, it's just really wow. fascinating, all the news that's now swirling around this film. And it's on iTunes right now. I think by the time you hear this, it's maybe even to where you can rent it. Uh, if you're at all interested in politics and a real fly on the wall, there's even a joke in the documentary about this term fly on the wall hmm. that Anthony Weiner makes about the guy filming him. And uh, I just think it's fascinating. It really, really is. Okay. So, it's probably a little longer than, uh, than I meant to go on, but there is some interesting news surrounding this, this film that I thought was interesting to talk about as well. Sure. So, well, I still plan to see it because I've, I've yeah. heard good things, and it's one of the higher-rated documentaries of the year. So It's just it's a documentary of its time, for sure. I okay. think there's so much going on right now that makes this very, very relevant to see this year. Okay. You know? So that's Wiener. I very, very highly recommend it for me. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, you've got one more film to share with us. It is the animated film... And make sure I've got the name right because I know I'm going to mess this up if I don't. It's Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes. Kubo and the Two Strings. Cue the trailer. My name is Kubo. This is my story. Your magic is growing stronger. But when we grow stronger, the world grows more dangerous. So, Chris, we have a new animated film out that's called Kubo and the Two Strings. This is from the same studio that made uh, Paranorman. Yes. It uh, Box made Trolls. Box Trolls. It's Laika, I can believe is the name, or is it Laika? Uh, uh, like, Laika? Laika. L-A-I-K-A. Not sure a really great animation it. studio. Yes. Still doing some great things with stop motion and yes. more traditional animation styles instead of all computerized CGI. Right. This is their latest film. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. What's the film about, and do you recommend it? Is it good for adults and kids or just kids? Kind of where does it fall on that? Family animation school. <laughs> sure. Well, it is PG, so it's definitely in the, the family wheelhouse. So the story is about a young boy named Kubo who has to locate a magical suit of armor worn by his late father in order to defeat, like, an ultimate spirit guy from his past. So that's kind of like the thing. He, and he, he goes on a quest. He befriends a giant, uh, like, armored beetle played by Matthew McConaughey. Oh. And a <laughs> hold on, just I like that I know, phrase. Just kind of a slush. giant armored beetle played by Matthew McConaughey. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Or gives nice. the voice, but yeah, sure. I and understand. then uh, Charlize Theron is a monkey, and those yeah. are, yes, and those are his two like companions on this quest to find the suit of armor. Um, and it does the stop motion in this is amazing. Okay. Um, if so I were to speaking, it's a really it's amazing. Family. If I were to rate the other, so I think I think some total they did Coraline, then oh, they yeah, did Coraline. Paranorman, Box Trolls, and this. So I think this okay. is their fourth feature. I would say this is definitely the most technically amazing. Like mm-hmm. you know the special effects and the animation. To me, this is their pinnacle. Wow, 
Um, it's really amazing. It starts off, uh, Kubo's mother is on a raft out in the middle of the ocean. There's this giant storm happening. That looks really amazing. Um, there's a sequence where they're doing battle um, with a giant creature. I won't ruin what it is, but um, is that it another beetle. No, it's not another beetle. Oh, okay. The beetle's helping, though. Okay. Um, but that sequence is also pretty amazing. And supposedly, according to my son, who reads the internet, which always has true things, <laughs> he said that that giant creature is the largest stop-motion, I guess, model that's <laughs> ever been used, oh, supposedly. Yeah. I think he saw a behind-the-scenes on Nick Jr. or something. I don't know where he saw it. But anyways... Um, supposedly, and I would believe it because how they were doing this stuff, it looks like maybe this thing had to be huge to be able to do what they were doing. Um, so yeah, technically very impressive. And I'll say the other thing that's kind of struck me too, is the boy has this power, which is where the whole two strings comes in. It's not a mandolin. It's not a guitar. I don't know what the technical name of this instrument is Mm -hmm. that Kubo plays, but he plays this instrument and pieces of paper come to life and make little origami shapes or do they come to life and like he can make them make different creatures or different things. It's kind of this little power he has when he's telling stories. It's really cool. And that kind of struck me out because you're seeing all this stop motion work and you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is fun. This is a good movie. It looks really good. And then the boy comes to this village and tells a story and starts playing his little instrument and you see the paper start doing stuff and then you're like, whoa, I can really tell that stop motion because you can see like the folds in the paper. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's just mind blowing because everything is fake. But what right. you're not realizing is like, you know, the, the levels of work and all that just makes you really tired, cool. tired watching the movie because <laughs> you're like, I cannot imagine this movie <laughs> took like 15 million years to make because it right. just seems like it'd be so painstaking and annoying. Okay. Like if somebody sneezes, they got to like reshoot like three days worth or something. Wow. But it was... It was really cool. Um, I will say, from an adult perspective, it is it is good. I am disappointed that you know there's always you know this is a kids movie. As my this, my daughter saw it with me, she pointed out to me on the way home. She asked me how I liked it, and I said I liked it, but I wish I wouldn't have been able to tell where the movie was going from the very beginning. So it's predictable. And you know, there's there's always in kids movies, there are thinly veiled references or you can kind of see where stories is going. This veil was so thin over mm. what was happening. I mean, a character even says a line and you're like, Oh, well clearly I know what that means because yeah. why else would that have been said? A little disappointing. And it, not that mm. it made me dislike the film, but it, it made me a little disappointed that they didn't try to try to keep it a mystery, couldn't, at least they, to adults. It, it couldn't help elevate the film to a really, really great film. Right, yeah. right. If they would have just allowed some mystery to still be there mm-hmm. and not quite spell it out as much. Um, so you're telling me technically beautiful, well, well done film. Technically best thing like has ever done. Cool. From a story perspective, maybe. A little on the weak side. Yeah, a little, a little weaker. But still, I do recommend people go see it. I think it will probably be nominated at the end of the year for an Oscar. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and if you do care anything about animation or have the least inclination to see this, see it in the theater. Mm. Um, because being able to see that animation yeah. huge on the screen, it's pretty cool. And I will say, too, um, I wish I would have had more of them. Um, Rooney Mara voices these evil sisters that come, and they are amazing. Like their animations, you know, she does a really spooky voice for mm-hmm. them. Um, they wear these like porcelain masks over their faces. Mm. They're these two twin sisters and they're 
They're really cool. Those are some of my favorite parts of the film. Nice. So I do recommend it, but I will say from an adult perspective, uh, you know, the story could have been a little stronger, a little more complicated maybe, but good. So, the, so Kubo and the Two Strings, if you want to see the film that will probably be the runner-up to the Oscar for Best <laughs> Animated Film against uh, Finding Dory, that would be the one to come see. So Kubo and the Two Strings. <laughs> You know, you know, it's going to happen. You know, right. okay. Mean, okay. So you said that that was also brought up there again. My kids are now, they know, like I record a podcast. They know that I'm into movies. And so after every movie, they always ask me, well, what'd you think dad on a scale yeah. of one to 10? And regardless of my answer, they're always like, Oh, you're too critical. Or, you know, they, add, you know, they said something about, you know, do you think it'll get awards? And I said, well, you know, maybe. And they, then they said, and I said, well, you know, Disney and finding Dory. Mm-hmm. And they said, when was the last time, which I didn't research it, which we'll have to, and get back to the podcast audience about this. When was the last time Disney didn't win for Best Animated Film? Oh, there was a film. uh, They didn't win when Shrek came out, right? I don't know. That was the one. That was another one. That was the one I threw off the top of my head. I was like, well, when Shrek came out, I think Shrek won the Academy Award. But yeah, I mean, you know, you have Up, you have Inside Out, you know, so they they get they have Wally. You know, they've got a very strong track record, and I know they've lost before, but you know, in general, like you joked. It just seems like, you know, Disney takes it home. So I would just, you know, at some point, I think that'd be an interesting. I got yes. it. Okay. Thank you, you, Internet. Alice yes. Fast Fingers. Okay. I'll tell you what, you got to love it. Uh, Rango, 2011. Really? Yep. Five years ago, Rango wow. won Best Animated uh, Film. Huh. Since then, it's been Brave, Frozen, Big Hero 6, Inside Out. Okay. All Disney slash Pixar. Okay. Before Rango, it was Toy Story 3, Up. Wally, Ratatouille, then Happy Feet was 2006. Oh my gosh. Wallace and Gromit Gromit won uh, back in 2005. Is that Curse of the Were Rabbit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Happy Feet and Rango. Those are kind of surprising. And then the only other one in the 2000s that was not Disney was Spirited Away in 2002 Mm. and Shrek in 2001. Okay. So I was right about Shrek, but something's won more recently than that. I will say. keep Keep a note. In 2005, Wallace and Gromit. Disney did not have a film against them. Ah, it was the corpse. Did they help distribute? They didn't have a nominated film also nominated. Okay. It was corpse bride or Howl's moving castle. Okay. Uh, With happy feet, they beat against cars. Thank God. Cars (laughs) Cars is pretty bad. Um, And then Rango beat Rango did not have a Disney competition that year. Ah. Nominated film. Okay. Interesting. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I will say I'm not sure what else is planning on coming out for, from Disney. Mm-hmm. I know you, you mentioned Finding Dory, which is Pixar. Is that – I don't know how to say it. I think it's Hawaiian, Mayora, oh, right, or maybe right. it's New Zealand. I mm-hmm. can't – but is that movie coming out this year? I can't remember if it's coming out uh, Christmas time or not. Okay. Could um, be. Because actually this could be another year. I was telling the kids, Finding Dory is good, but I could see Kubo beating it. Just because it is more of an original idea as opposed to a sequel. So you just gotta wonder if that Disney film, the Hawaiian film, does come out this then year. Then I think it'll probably be that the, could be the one. Just sure. because it's it's Disney. It's, I'm okay. sure I'm sure the location, the uh, the scenery, the the scenic shots are probably gonna be beautiful in it. Probably. Chris, let's take a quick little break. We're done with all of our reviews. We've had okay. four films we've talked about, uh, all varying degrees of recommendation. And let's take a quick break. When we come back uh, I just have a couple quick little movie news items that I just remembered that I do want to talk to you about. Okay. And then we'll close out with our recommendations for the show. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Local authors, illustrators, and storytellers come together to create Storytime Station at The Mesh. 
Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Chris and I just spent the first, how long was that? Pretty long time reviewing four <laughs> films, Suicide Squad, Mars from America, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Wiener. Um, again, varying degrees of recommendation across the board on all four. So go back and uh, listen to those reviews if you missed them or if you're just now joining us for any reason. Before we get into a couple more movie news items and our recommendations for the episode, I uh, do want to tell you a bit about the film festival. Yes, shameless plug. We are plugging the, the Foot Candle Film Festival Mainly because I think it's just going to be a really good time. If you're going to be anywhere near or able to come to the Hickory, Western North Carolina, outside of Charlotte area in the last weekend of September, you need to come on up and join us at the festival. It'll be running from September 23rd through the 25th, 2016. We are holding all the film screenings at the beautiful Drendel Auditorium on the Salt Block that is joining the Hickory Museum of Art, which will be the site of our opening reception. We're just looking forward to a great weekend. We start Friday afternoon, and we go all the way through Sunday afternoon. We have 30 films total, short and feature-length films throughout the weekend. And then we'll close it all out with a really great dinner and festive event and award ceremony on Sunday evening. Chris, we announced our film lineup about a month or so ago. We started film sales, our ticket sales a few weeks ago as well. Uh, you want to tease a little bit? Maybe, sure, Some sure. of the films we're showing. And if by any means you want a full lineup, you just have to go to footcandlefilmfestival.com and you can get, you know, the full lineup with descriptions and trailers and then also access, of course, to buy tickets if you should be so inclined. But, uh, yeah, so I'll just run down. I'm going to do two documentaries and two features really quick. Just give you a little, a little taste. So uh, we have Tower, which is a documentary about the first – uh, mass shooting that was in Texas, University of Texas. University of Texas campus, 1966, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So that he's a book of I'm knowledge. On top of it. Yeah. Um, and so this, is a, this was at uh, Sundance this past year. And this documentary is unique because it takes that rotoscoping animation approach over um, existing stock footage. It's just a very interesting looking documentary, as well as some of the revelations that come about that tragic event that happened. Yeah. So that's tower. That'll be at our festival. Highly recommend that. Absolutely. Another, We've been getting a lot of good feedback. The times I've shown that trailer places. Yeah. Another documentary that we'll be showing is called you see me. And this documentary is about a woman who has footage of her, whose father suffers from is suffering from Alzheimer's and he liked to use a home video camera and did so like throughout his life when they would go on vacations and she finds all this footage and then starts to piece things together about her past, her family's past, about her father. So it's and there's some issues there and it's just a very interesting film about family and about forgiveness. Um, so that's a documentary that we're also going to be bringing that I highly recommend. Then two narrative features or fiction films that I'll mention that we're going to be bringing. One is Bear With Us, that we're going to be fortunate enough to actually have the director and one of the actors uh, come for the screening. But that is a comedy. It'll be It's in shot in black and white. And An independent film festival showing a comedy? I know, How right? I know. We're, we're, we're lucky. <laughs> it's not all going to be like depressing things about people being homeless or 
something. No, it's this is a, this is a comedy. It's going to be great. Um, like I said, the director who actually was at our festival last year, he showed a short uh, called Down in Flames that you can probably find online. Um, but this is a feature film that he's done, and we're looking forward to bringing that. And it's about a bear attack, or these people that are out in the woods and bears are attacking. And I'll just leave it at that. It's good, and it's funny. Uh, the last feature that I'll mention is called The Fits. And this is the first the director's first film, and I am totally blanking on her name right now. Give me a second. Keep talking. Um, sure, I'll keep talking. But it is her first film. It's got a lot of buzz. A lot of uh, big websites like RogerEber.com and other places have really talked this film up. It's about a girl in an urban area, I think maybe Cleveland, I think, mm-hmm. and she's on a dance, or she's trying to get to be a member of a dance squad that does these like cheerleading esque like dance routines. And she is, you know, coming in to teenagerdom and something is starting to happen with members of her dance team where they start to go into fits. And Mm -hmm. that's where the movie gets its name from. Um, It's just a very interesting look at adolescence and inner city children. It's just it's it's kind of unique. I have been I have seen it. Um, I like it, but you kind of have to see it to really experience it. It's. Very interesting first film. I look forward to what she's going to do after this. And her name is Alan. Anna Rose Homer. There you go. Yep. Um, so Getting a lot of great acclaim for this film, so we're excited yeah. to be showing. All four of these, uh, again, great films, and that's just four of 30 total films we're showing. You know, we're showing uh, feature films all day Saturday, documentaries all day Sunday. We kick off Friday night with uh, our short film festival, about uh, 16, 17 short films over the course of the evening. Just be a great. It's gonna be a great weekend, and Can't we are wait. we are gonna start off the day that Friday afternoon. We're showing two documentaries before we get to those blocks of short films. That's true, so, getting a little early start. In yeah, the, in the festival that way weekend. we'll be able to show a few more documentaries. So. Great. So FootCandleFilmFestival.com. That's where you want to go to see all the film lineup, the schedule. You can buy tickets for individual films, or you can buy a pass to come and enjoy the entire weekend with us. Again, Western North Carolina. It's a beautiful area, especially in late September. Uh, just about 45, 50 minutes outside of Charlotte. Let us know. Come join us. And uh, please drop us a note if you're a listener and you've made an attempt to come see us at the festival. We want to make sure we, we spot you and get to introduce ourselves to you. So that's the film festival. Chris, before we move on to our recommendations. Yes. Um, you know, we normally do some news section. And I don't really have a, a real polished news section. We kind of hit a lot of news. We dropped a lot of news reviews. items. Sure. But there are two films. You know, I'm constantly watching upcoming movie trailers okay not the big blockbuster ones i am weaning myself off of watching trailers for you did big, watch wonder woman i did but that was more to just understand am i anticipating this film or not now got you if it's a film i am desperately already anticipating you don't need to sell me on it i'm trying not to watch the, the trailer anymore but i stumbled across two that i'm very curious about okay one in particular i'm excited about mainly because of just the director so damien chazelle who did Whiplash. Yes. About a year and a half ago. Yes. One of my favorite films of that year. Loved it. Loved that film. And he's got another film coming out. Is this La La Land? La La Land. Okay. This is with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Now, I'll say this. I thought these two were really good together in a film that the name escapes me. But it was like a romantic comedy a couple years ago. A few years ago. With Steve Carell and... um, Hmm. Somebody else in it. What is the name of that film? Well, okay. Tell me again. It's romantic comedy with Steve Carell and... Steve Carell was like the main lead in it. Ryan Gosling played another character in it. 
It was Crazy Stupid Love. That's it. Ah, I've never seen that. He and Emma Stone have a relationship in that okay. movie, and I thought they, they played off each other really well. Okay. So now they're together in this as well. I think they were also both in Gangster Squad, maybe. Hmm. That movie that came and went, uh, nobody saw, um, <laughs> maybe last year. Okay. So they've had a little bit of some partnership in a couple films already, but this is the two of them together. And Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash, and it's a musical. Okay. A jazz pianist falls for an aspiring actress in Los Angeles. You watch the trailer. Yes, there's singing. There's dancing. Hmm. It is got a little bit of a throwback to kind of the the old heyday of Hollywood with musicals. Hmm. But it also seems to have a very interesting visual style to it. Okay. I'm very excited. Okay. Hoping I'm not going to be let down. But Do you think the trailer ruins anything? No, it, it definitely does not. If anything, okay. the trailer actually poses more questions. Okay. It's not a traditional trailer. Good. It's more of a mood trailer than it is Good. a plot trailer. Good. So, yes, so it is something you can I see. had heard about this film. I was interested in it. You're saying I can watch the trailer with absolutely no fear of anything being ruined. Absolutely. I like it. Absolutely. I will watch it. So La La Land is supposed to come out in December. Okay. So very excited. Maybe a film festival, a film society screening for us. Okay. I could do it. It's PG-13. Hmm. So even though Whiplash was our, mainly because of uh, <laughs> the music teacher. <laughs> He's a little rough. He was a little rough. But uh, La La Land's PG-13. So it may be a little more of an open, uh, broader film for people to enjoy. Now this other film. Okay. I'm going to mention the name of it. And right away, I, I, can, already, I can already picture your face. Okay. Your facial expression. Before you say it, I don't know what you're going to, but I have a film trailer that I've seen that I'm going to mention to you if this isn't it. Mm-hmm. But okay. go ahead and go ahead. So I, I actually do have a news item well, after all. If you hear this name of this film and, and what it's based on, oh, hmm. and okay. you, your, your face is going to crinkle up. I can already tell. Oh, okay. already this is not happen. what I was going to. Okay. This- Assassin's Creed. No. Yeah, there you go. That's the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was it. Yeah. Here's why I'm curious about this film. Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender is starring in it. But he was in X-Men Apocalypse. Marion Cotillard is co-starring in it. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Irons. Brendan Gleeson. And the director directed Fassbender in his Macbeth interpretation last oh, year. Oh, okay. The director is Mr. Justin Kurzel, who did Macbeth. Hmm. Justin Kurzel is not a big blockbuster movie director. Okay. So it's a, based on a video game. Right away, yes, I know. Video game adaptations typically are not working out for people. Right, but then I would have never thought adapting a Disney theme park ride, Pirates of the Pirates Caribbean, Caribbean. would have worked out. So it can work out. See, here's the thing that was interesting. My kids, have, my, 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 middle, my two oldest kids have played Assassin's Creed. Okay. I've seen them play it. Okay. So when I heard about this, I'm like, oh, so it's going to be like kind of a – throwback historical it's going to be back in this uh time of you know medieval time assassins all that stuff and then the trailer comes on and the trailer's like in the future and it starts out in the future and it's the concept is i had no idea this was the concept Hmm. this idea is that they are able to put people into this chamber where then they are living out through the memories of an old ancestor of theirs whoa so this guy that Michael Fassbender's playing, Callum Lynch, explores the memories of his ancestor and gains the skills of a master assassin as he discovers he's a descendant of a secret assassin society. This is all happening in the future, Whoa. but he's like living <laughs> through a character's memories back in the past. So it's a very high concept thing. Okay. Visually, it looks interesting, but typically what happens with these video game movies is the plot is horrible or, right. you know, and acting is normally not good, but I do think with... Fastbender and Cotillard is probably going to be okay. 
I'm just curious because of the director, because of the concept of the film, and the two lead actors in it. Yeah. Very curious to see where this goes. I, Could this be the film that breaks the video game adaptation curse and see, actually makes a really good now adaptation? Now, granted, I have not seen it, but I was hoping that was going to be Warcraft because Duncan Jones, and I really like him. Haven't seen Warcraft, but heard it's was kind of disappointing. Yeah. I still plan on seeing it. But, well, uh, yeah. Could this be the high-class, high-caliber video game adaptation that shuts everybody up about video game adaptations going forward? Hmm. Or is it just another... Just another notch in the belt for the uh, video game adaptations. <laughs> well, and I think, not doing too well. I think I've seen this trailer, and I think same way it doesn't really ruin anything from the movie, does it? No, I don't think so. I don't so. really understand what's going on because I haven't played the it's video a com- game. So. It's confusing trailer too. So okay. anyway, so the one that I'm going to mention mm-hmm. right before we get to our recommendations, I just saw this trailer the other day, and normally, yes, I do not seek them out because I don't want anything ruined, um, but because of this director. I trusted him that he wasn't going to let things be ruined because he's just doesn't seem that kind of guy. Um, his name is Denis Villeneuve, which oh. we have done prisoners. Yes. We reviewed prisoners no, by him with this. and we reviewed enemy. Um, both films. I liked prisoners, but it was troubling, but I wasn't huge fan of it. Just, you know, just wasn't. And uh, I liked and it a lot, by the way, for the prisoners. Record. I, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it, it, but it was trouble. Um, enemy. I really mm-hmm. liked. Yeah. Um, so this is his next one and it's called the arrival mm-hmm. it stars Amy Adams and probably other people I'm forgetting, but Jeremy Renner's in it too. Jeremy Renner, um, science fiction. So, you know, I'm a big fan, but it's kind of this concept of it's like what Independence Day wishes it could be. Yes. It's an it's an independent version, independent version of Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of an art house, if you can make an art house big budget film version of a science fiction movie about aliens coming to Earth and like what are we gonna do about it? And try to like how they send Amy Adams as like a translator who's very good at linguistics and mm-hmm. so she's trying to communicate with them. I guess kind of in a sense Along similar lines of Contact, the Jodie Foster movie, which I really like um, from a long time ago, but I was a big fan of. It definitely seems a more high-minded alien right. contact film. And it's just, I don't know, I think there's a lot of potential there. The trailer doesn't spoil anything, mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, the trailer so, has some interesting visuals, too, just yeah, with yeah. the way they're well, communicating. And he, that's, yeah. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he's all about, the director's all about that. So I'm looking forward to that, and it comes out towards the end of the year, I think. I'm not sure the release date on it, but no, I'm very excited about that. Okay. Um, now, he's also attached as a director. Oh, the Blade Runner 2. To the Blade Runner 2. Right. And I, you know, if you're going to make a sequel to Blade Runner, at least this is a director that I would trust to do something interesting with it. Does it worry you that he's brought on Jared Leto, tying back to Suicide Squad? <laughs> no, I think yeah. Jared Leto is a good actor, so okay. I'm fine with that. Um, again, when I heard they were making Blade Runner 2, I'm like, Really? <laughs> but then I heard Denevue was going to be the director. I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, that's the guy to probably do it right now. Sure. If if Ridley Scott's not going to do it, then let Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Okay. No, I'm I'm very excited about the arrival. That was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't know much about it until this last week or so, and I saw the preview and thought, yep, Chris will like that movie, and I'm excited <laughs> about it as well. He will. And I was a big fan of both Enemy and uh, Prisoners, Prisoners, so I'm ready to see what he's got next. And he did Sicario too, right? Oh yeah, totally forgot about that. So that would be his most recent one. Yes, because that Sicario came out was last, his last year. Film. Yeah. yeah, and I saw that would as you well. Like that? So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. good. Okay, recommendation time, Chris. Um, this is where part of the show where we like to recommend a film that we want you to go back and check out if you got a, a, some free time. As I mentioned, I haven't had much free time lately, so I haven't really catch, <laughs> caught up with anything new. 
But I do want to make a recommendation I don't think I've made before, and it is kind of sort of connected with something coming out soon. Oh. So it might be a good time to go catch up with this guy's other, uh, earlier work. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you mind if I go first? No, absolutely go. So we all know Mr. Tim Burton. We do. Mr. Tim Burton, Timmy, as we call him, uh, when we talk about him. We may have had a falling out with him recently. We have had a falling out with him. We don't talk as much these days. Um, You know, I never saw Big Eyes, which I'm still kind of surprised about. Never saw that. Eh. It was a very slight movie from what I understood and didn't really do a whole lot with his style. Uh, Before that, he did the animated film Frank and Weenie, which I understand was a good film, but I just never got around to seeing it. I had seen his original short Frank and Weenie many years ago. Did never saw the CGI animated version he did back in 2012. Before that, mm. Dark Shadows, eh, not that great. Alice in Wonderland did not like. So that's been kind of his run for the last four or five years. The mm. last good film he did I liked was Sweeney Todd. Oh, I really yeah. liked Sweeney Todd back in 2007. I liked that, that as well. Almost uh, almost ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. So he has a film coming out called Miss Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Have mm. you seen the preview for this? I have. Okay. I'm a little worried. I'm hopeful. And I'll tell you why I'm hopeful. Because it sounds like a really neat story. And I know, of course, it's based on a series of books. It sounds like a really great story. He gets to experiment with really interesting characters. It sounds like it's in his wheelhouse of like quirky, odd things. Kind of like Alice in Wonderland, even though I did not like that movie. But like that kind of... World seems so, like it's in the his problem with thing. Alice in Wonderland. It was just so CGI heavy, and it's almost like the the, the spectacle got in the way of a good story. Mm. This this film, from what I see, does not seem to be that case. It seems okay. to be more about the characters and having fun with the characters, and not just making a gigantic spectacle of everything. So I'm I'm very hopeful. The reason this leads into my my recommendation is that it made me think a little bit about Mr. Burton in general. You okay. mentioned his Batman films earlier in this review. Of course, that's a high water mark for us. To okay. me, I think when he did those two Batman films, that was pretty much him at the pinnacle. He was like top of the world. He had just done Beetlejuice. Uh, he did Edward Scissorhands in between Batman and Batman Returns. But after Batman Returns, most people didn't don't remember too much about the film that followed Batman Returns, which was Ed Wood. Hmm. Okay. When I really sit down and think about it, it may be my favorite Tim Burton film. Hmm. Maybe. Big Fish. Ed Wood may be my favorite <laughs> Tim <laughs> okay. Burton movie. Okay. Big Fish is close. Man. Batman's Big close. Beetlejuice is close. Oh, yeah. But I really think about it when I actually watch Ed Wood. Ed Wood puts a smile on my face the okay. whole film. And mainly because it's probably the first time I actually saw Johnny Depp as an actor. Because hmm. I think before that, he had kind of been doing the whole 21 Jump Street TV show and maybe a few small roles. But this is the first time I saw him as an actor. Okay. And it's him playing Ed Wood, kind of the legendary worst director of all time. It's kind of the nomenclature behind him. Right. As he's trying to get funding to do several of his films, eventually ending with his, quote, masterpiece, Plan 9 from Outer Space. You got Johnny Depp playing Ed Wood and just it's, it's over the top Ed it's over the top Johnny Depp before we knew what over the top Johnny Depp was. <laughs> if that makes right. any sense. Oh yeah. Because beforehand we saw him in Edward Scissorhands. And he was very understated. Sure. Johnny Depp. This is over the top Johnny Depp before Jack Sparrow, right. before this is pre Jack Sparrow. Exactly. Before his Willy Wonka, everything else. Right. This is him really, I think having fun with a character. Martin Landau though plays uh, Bill Lugosi, and that's 
probably one of my favorite performances in the film. He's just so hmm. good with that. Even Sarah Jessica Parker, an actress I don't really care for, is really good. Patricia Arquette. You've got Bill Murray in there with hmm. a, a small role. Forgotten he was in there. It's just a fun, campy, playing on the same vibe of the old 1950s B, C, D level movies. <laughs> okay. They really embrace that. And I just, I think it's a really, really great movie. Shot in black and white, which does not hurt it at all. That just makes it to me even more enjoyable in a way hmm. and what's great is a double feature of watching this and actually watching plan nine for outer space like in the same night it's a really great experience okay. because you see the making of the film and you see the film itself and you realize how true they were to that film so as this new tim burton movie comes out in a few months and it may be not very good i hope it's good i do too let's remember mr burton with some of his <laughs> Truly great films okay. back from the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And just remember, the, he's, a re, he's still a great treasured filmmaker for us, okay. despite the last 10 years. Let me, let, me, let me chime in with Big Eyes, which I guess mm-hmm. is his latest. That was his last film, yeah. Okay. It wasn't a horrible movie. Right. It, you know, it was okay, but from Tim Burton, who we have talked about, is capable of so much, it was basically like, you wouldn't know it. To, anybody could have made it. Mm-hmm. And it was okay, but just you were expecting something more from Tim yeah. Burton. So it's kind of an unfair That's watermark. I kept but, hearing yeah. the slight. It's just a very slight yeah. film. You know? right. um, he does have Beetlejuice 2. Really? Yeah. yeah. With Michael Keaton coming back. That's all right. Bring back Keaton. I, um, you know what? If you're Tim Burton and you're realizing that, hey, you know what? Uh, I need to go back to one of my original hits. Maybe that's the one to go back to. Because Keaton's hot right now. I mean, Michael well, Keaton and I, is kind of I on totally right think now. Keaton. Yeah, obviously, he can step back into Beetlejuice without even like batting an eye. I think there could be funny, and I think he's completely capable of directing it. I just hope they have an interesting script. Oh, is Winona Ryder going to come back? The only two people committed on IMDb are Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder. Because Winona Ryder, you know, she's big right now, coming yeah. off Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Huh. Anyway, I think if you're if you're Tim Burton and you're trying to get back in the spotlight. Beetlejuice 2 may be a, the way to do it. Hmm. Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children may make a lot of money like Alice in Wonderland did. That's true. It very well could. It could be a, I mean, we talk about Tim Burton as kind of not really doing a lot for us for the last 10 years, but we do have to remember Alice in Wonderland was his biggest grossing movie ever. Ever. <laughs> so I don't really think he's terribly like upset about any kind of commercial status on things. No. Uh, now, granted, he did not sign on for the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, which was a dud and made no money and people hated. Maybe he's wising up a little bit. It's like, nope, I knew that was a crash grab when I did Alice in Wonderland. I don't want to do that again. So hopefully Hmm. so. All right, man, I just spent a lot of time on that recommendation. Sorry about that. Chris, your recommendation for us. So, um, we talked about, I talked about how Morris from America would have totally like slipped past me. Would have never seen it. Um, you know, thank you iTunes. Well, my recommendation is going to be, it was at Sundance and th- I think got sold to Netflix like directly out of Sundance. It's called The Fundamentals of Caring. Uh, 2016 movie stars Paul Rudd, uh, Selena Gomez, don't let that discourage you, hmm. and uh, Craig Roberts, who I don't recognize the name Craig Roberts, but I recognize him immediately when I saw him in the movie. He was in another film that I recommended a long time ago on this podcast called Submarine. But he plays a teenager in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So uh, Fundamentals of Caring, it's a dramedy. And basically, it's about a uh, wheelchair-bound patient played by Mr. Craig Roberts. 
and his caregiver, who is Paul Rudd, Mm -hmm. and they go on a road trip where they learn about life. And that sounds terrible, Mm. like it would be on the Hallmark Channel or something. And it could have ended up that way. But what makes this film so great are those two lead performances by uh, Craig Roberts and Paul Rudd. They have amazing comic timing and chemistry together. And we're just, they were, they were really good. I like this film. And, um, what's funny is I recommended it to a friend. They saw it and like loved it. Couldn't stop raving about it. And then I was talking to my parents recently who just started the whole Netflix streaming thing. Uh, whole new and, world. Yes, it is <laughs> totally. And so I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, you know, you guys should check out this movie called the fundamentals of caring. I know it's kind of a horrible title, and they're like, oh, is that the movie with the boy in the wheelchair? I'm like, yes. <laughs> wow. I'm so you know, like a bonding moment with your family. Right. And I was like, did you like it? And they're like, yeah, it's great. Um, kind of even make, I won't you know, ruin anything, but kind of even makes me want to uh, buy and eat Slim Jims. And I'm just going to leave that out there. Um, I like Slim Jims. So, you know, <laughs> we tore, I tore down Ghostbusters for the product placement they did. You know, product placement of Slim Jims in this movie genius hmm. um so do you think the, slim jims paid a lot of money or do you think it's just the, the 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 people making the movie said we really like slim jims we want to give them props don't know and that yeah. would be interesting to i i think i think it was just something random it could have been something mr paul rudd did like because he does a lot of improv stuff sometimes right, right. um don't know hmm. but genius because i actually the friend that watched the movie i brought that one and they like started laughing immediately they're like yep so, The Fundamentals of Caring. Um, it's on I've Netflix. I've seen it on Netflix. I've added it to my queue just because of Paul Rudd. Right. Yeah, um, that's right. That's why I well, added honestly, it. Honestly, it was Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd and the fact that it's a Netflix original movie. I'm like, right. okay, those two things together make me interested. Well, and Netflix, in my book, has done a lot of really good documentaries. Mm-hmm. They've captured a lot of really good documentaries. Now, when it comes to their original series, yeah, you got House of Cards, Orange series is the New Black, Strange Things. They can do that. I couldn't now, tell you a movie. I've original seen movies? Yeah. I really wanted to see The Ridiculous Six, oh. but I heard it was horrible, so I didn't. Then Adam Sandler put out The Duo. Do-over? Haven't seen that either. So, and because I, I want to, because I'm like, I want to see if Netflix can get original movies together because they've done this other stuff that's good. Well, I think with this one, maybe they're turning around. Well, they're catering to a certain audience with the Adam Sandler films. You know, that's the thing. They're not yours and mine cup of tea. Yes, it's true. But um, when I saw it listed on Netflix, I saw somebody else mention it online. I'm like, yeah, I add it to my queue. And one day when I get to the 148 films that are on my queue and finally get a chance to see them. I will right. make sure that was one of those I see as well. So. Well, I'm, I'm recommending. So right. there you go. So we got both a new film and somewhat of a classic film. Sure. We've got uh, Ed Wood and then we've got the fundamentals of caring. Yes. Do I have that name correct? You do. Uh, it is a syrupy title, but yeah. 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 Right. And there's, there's, there's reasoning behind that too, okay. but yeah. Cool. Well, that's our show for today. Two good recommendations for you in case you're just, Unlike us, and you have a few free hours, and you're like, you know what? I want to see a movie. What can I watch? Well, if you have Netflix, there's one you could watch. If uh, you don't mind plunking down a few bucks to rent on iTunes or Amazon, you can see Ed Wood. Uh, we did our reviews at the top of the show, our four reviews of films, and a few movie news items as well. Please, please check out our show online at TheMesh.TV, and feel free to download or subscribe to our show. It definitely helps us. Make sure we get uh, visible to other viewers in the future as well. And also come join us for the Foot Candle Film Festival coming September 23rd through the 25th, 2016. 30 films in three days. 
we will make it happen. That's right. And it will be a great environment at the Drendel Auditorium on the Salt Block. And that'll be starting on Friday afternoon, going until Sunday night. Chris mentioned a few of the films earlier that we'll be showing, but you can see the whole list by going to the website, footcandlefilmfestival.com. Chris, how can people reach us? If you want to drop us a line, you can do so at info at themesh.tv. Just uh, mention Foot Candle Films in the subject line. Drop us a line about reviews you liked, didn't like, or questions you have about the show, or just about movies in general, something you'd like to see us review. Um, That's one way. Also, in iTunes, if you would like, something you can do to help support the show um, is leave reviews or give star ratings because that you know helps pull us up in the rankings and gets more people listening to the show, which is always good. Alan and I also do keep kind of a film diary on Letterboxd, which is a film site out there that is awesome. So if you want to kind of follow what we're watching, or in some cases, Alan, maybe not what he's watching, <laughs> yeah. but things that he's watched see the in the dirt past. The film that Alan has watched. <laughs> so uh, that's a fun site to catch up. Oh. And I know this is a film podcast, but go watch Mr. Robot. Right. Apparently. Go watch Mr. Robot. After you've binge watched Stranger Things, right. then go watch Mr. Robot so, <laughs> on USA Network. Of all places, USA Network. Okay, that's it for the show today. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.